Rebuilding, Chapter 13 Draco picked up an arithmancy book with a broken spine and moved it to the overflowing repair box by Madame Pince's desk. Hermione handed him another, one she'd cleaned already, and he floated it away as well. Pince had already moved the transfiguration book boxes back to some storage room to wait for the library to be completed, and the wall had been neatly laid out with boxes for the arithmancy section. The librarian had, it would seem, kept note of what area they had decided to work on next. It was, in some ways, the same with Ron, Hermione said after a long silence, and Draco sucked in a breath. Despite offering to talk about her camping adventure the night before, they had not, and, other than her inability to forgive Weasley after some unspecified abandonment during the war, Draco was still unclear on how or why that relationship had fallen apart. His family, they liked me well enough, I guess, but I was exotic. I was something different. I was never really one of them, not like Harry was. His father, he had some kind of obsession with muggle trinkets, like he's collecting the art of primitives or something. He'd hold up a broken light bulb and talk about how clever muggles were, being able to get by without magic because of their cleverness. Draco said the word softly as he watched her, as if you were a monkey who'd figured out how to use a sharp rock as a tool. Not nearly as good as what real people have, but still so very clever. For a monkey, she agreed. Exactly. They have some uncle or great uncle or something who was a squib that they never talk about. Never. It's disgraceful, you know to have family who aren't magical. I know, Draco said, looking away at last. Most script children were never mentioned. He spared a thought that even the blood trader Weasleys had avoided their non-magical kin as shameful. So much for their self-righteous perfection. And they aren't even blood purists, Hermione continued. Not like... Not like my family, Draco said. Not like my friends. He lowered his head, defeated. She was right. Dating her would be an endless series of explanations. He'd have to defend her to everyone he knew, assuming any of them would speak to him, and even people too polite to say anything would stare or, worse, make a point of not staring. I'm sorry, he muttered. I shouldn't have presumed I was worth... I'll go sort the clean ones once you move them to the table and try to stay out of your way. He pulled himself up, and walked to the table, each step like a knife as he waited for her to tell him to stay, and she didn't. It was a silent and efficient and dreary morning, and by lunch his table was piled with immaculate books, and the work partner he'd been sneaking covered glances at was covered in the dust and plaster and stone bits she'd been removing from the books. I've grown to hate the shattered busts of great wizards of old, she said as she came and perched on the edge of the table. Not a one of them survived Voldemort. I think they all flung themselves off their pedestals in some kind of protest or something, and now bits of them are all in my hair. She plucked out a thumb-sized bit of stone from her curls. Why, Adelbert Waffling, why? Where was that? Draco asked. In a book on magical theory, of course, she said. I think it had been misshelved because it shouldn't have been in that section. Let's take a break and get lunch. I think I'll work, though, he said. You're ahead of me again. He didn't look up at her, 
just pulled another book off the pile and flipped through the pages. He flinched when she put a hand over his and pushed the book down to the table. You're too thin, she said. You need to eat. Am I your project now? he asked. No, she said, standing up and yanking on his hand until he stood as well. My friend. Draco had some thoughts about halves of loaves as they walked to the dining room.